Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. All right, what are you creating? What kind of art are you creating today? And some of you will be like, I'm not creating art today. And I challenge that because I think there's pockets of opportunities to create art every single day, whether it's a meal, whether it's wrapping a present, whether it's writing a letter to somebody, but it's a muscle as artists, we gotta exercise. I'm flapping my arms, my wings right now, showing you that we gotta exercise. So what are you creating today? My husband bought me for my birthday two huge, huge blank canvases, which I kind of think is one of the best presents I'll ever receive. And so what it has done, it's inspired art to be created in our house because we have these two canvases and we're like, what do you want to do? We like creating stuff together when we're doing projects for the house. So we started talking about what kind of images and suddenly our house was filled with art. I kind of picture our house like a balloon, like it's sort of expanded with art these days and I just love it. Let me know what you're creating, whether it's something you're knitting, whether it's something you're baking, whether it's a song you're writing, whether it's a poem, I would just love to hear the mini moments of art that you're working on. I believe every mini moment leads to bigger moments and we all have the opportunity, we all have the power to create art every day. So share it with me at Firecracker Department, D-E-P-T, or privately on an email at firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. Now, okay, our guest this week is Toronto-based coach and consultant, crafter, cook, sewist, yeah, sewist, I said sewist, bread baker, head of our mentorship department, facilitator of the yearly Firecracker Artists Way group, and actioneer, it's Veronica Martin. Veronica describes herself as a recovering HR director who has a personal goals, creativity coaching, and small business human resources consulting company with clients in Canada and the US, right? Don't you already wanna lean in and find out more about this person? I know, I did when I first met her too. I think also she is so much more than the way she describes herself because she's also just a heart. She is this pure, beautiful, positive, Heart that infuses in everything the firecracker department does. Now, I met Veronica in 2018, oh my goodness, when we first came together and started building our community outside of the podcast. And Veronica reached out to me through Twitter. She just reached out and she said, hey, I see what you're building. If you need any help, let me know. And I was like, great, come to a meeting. We had a meeting where a bunch of folks came in and five years later, here we are, Veronica Martin, still working together. And I have to say, it's one thing having Veronica's intelligence with her HR background and her coaching abilities, but then she's just got a heart for art. <laughs> she's got a heart for art. And she's also sassy as heck. I absolutely love her for it. Now, Veronica has led and developed the mentorship department by producing online mentorship events for members to support women and non-binary folks in the arts who come together to listen and learn. It's for those who want to further their current creative career or maybe even expand into other branches of arts. The mentorship team includes Kathleen Harkwell, Sarah Potter, Amelia Copeland, and Rebecca Marquardt. It's a dynamic team. They just kick ass with these events. And I know that every single person that goes to a mentorship event, whether it's the participants or the actual mentors, everybody comes away feeling full. Like that expression I was using about the art balloon, where you just feel like, oh, I'm full up, 
full up of creativity. Together as a team, they create things like helpful content, virtual events with experienced mentors, meet and greets, panel events, one-on-one -on -one mentoring opportunities, and more. We've had mentorship workshops that have focused on writers, directors, indie producers, and they have some more ideas cooking up in the future, so you're gonna wanna keep in touch. Now, Veronica also facilitates our yearly Firecracker Artists Way program, and she has led this with her heart. As I said, it's our third year, and <laughs> I've said this before, but the first year we did it, I've had the Artist's Way book on my shelf for 25 years. What? Yeah, 25 years. Have not cracked it until we started doing it with the Firecracker Department. And everybody reads a chapter and then we meet every week to discuss it and connect. And it's just easily one of my favorite things in the world. You get to know new firecrackers from all over the world that come together to challenge their artists. Like what I was talking about at the beginning, like how do they reignite art within them and connect with like-minded folks? It's my favorite thing. I love it and I love the way Veronica leads with humor and kindness and joy and passion and just Veronica Martinus. Now head over to our website for more information about the mentorship workshop, the Artist's Way yearly program at firecrackerdepartment.com. Now Veronica's love of languages led her to volunteer as a literacy tutor through the Oakville Literacy Council for over 10 years. She also mentors HR practitioners through the Human Resources Professionals Association and students through the McMaster Alumni Association. I mean no wonder the mentorship department is such a great fit for Veronica. She has just a mentoring passion and I also have to say when Veronica joined Firecracker Department originally we didn't have the mentorship department Veronica was just sort of present and available to help wherever she was needed until one day we realized we needed this mentorship program and it was just this perfect coming together of an idea and the right person and the right time it's a fantastic program and I really encourage you to look into it if you'd like some mentoring Speaking of taking her passion to another level, Veronica is currently developing an online program for women and non-binary folks who want to amp up their happiness as they move through all their ages. It sounds fantastic. I would love to be involved in this program. I mean, I would just love to be involved in anything Veronica does. You know, even if it's like a, a bake sale and like I don't need a lot of gluten, but I'll go. I'll go just to hang out with Veronica. All right, enough of this. Let's get on with my chat with Veronica Martin. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. Look at this, you being a guest, huh? It's just bizarre. It's so <laughs> weird. It is kind of fun though. Like it's such a weird thing because as I said, like you and I speak all the time and suddenly like our hats are shifting and now like you're the guest. And also like find out about all the things that I don't even know about you. I've known you for five years now. What Gosh. Is it been five years? Because we have our five year it anniversary this month maybe I don't know what's Wait. five years is it tin is it oh yeah I paper? think it's is it nice nice yeah so good yeah you got some great cover work yes but that's, like you know we spend all this time together but we don't know like the corners of your world so this is really fun so this sounds like we're diving into the morning pages where Julia Cameron says okay so you get a whisk broom and the morning pages are where you whisk all of the gunky stuff from the corners into the middle of the room. Oh, I have not read that chapter or I read it really fast and I did not absorb it. I don't know if she says it in the book. I hear it so many times when she's interviewed mm -hmm. that it may not be something that 
she articulated in the book, but she's come to realize, you know, through talking about the artist's way that that's what the morning pages are to her mm-hmm. is gathering up the, the stuff that's going to bug you during the day, mm-hmm. writing it down, getting it out of the way and then moving on. Because you lead our yearly artist's way for those people who don't know, when we started the artist's way, that was the first time I opened that book and it had been on my shelf for 25 years, 25 years in theater school. So oh, the really? inspiration already. Yeah. How about you? How many times have you done the artist's way and how long ago did you start it? Well, the book came out it's so. right here. <laughs> Yeah, 92, 94, 92. Okay. Same year Alex came out. Oh. <laughs> and, and I got it probably in 94. Yeah. And I did it then just by myself. Yeah. And then I did it again probably in 2004, 2004, 2005, something like that. Yeah. And then I've done it. This is my third time facilitating it with the firecracker department mm-hmm. and something different each time. Every time. Me and I love too. It. Yeah. Are we like halfway? Yeah. So Weeks are six. you discovering anything new? Cause you're doing it again. So are you discovering anything new about your artistry through this process, this round? Oh, every time. And it's because I force myself in some ways to do some of the exercises that I have not done yet. Mm-hmm. There's always a list of exercises to do. And you know, she says, like, don't do everything, do what works for you. The idea mm-hmm. isn't to exhaustively do you know, all of the homework, mm-hmm. but I've been paying attention more to what I have not been doing. And, and so spend some time thinking, okay, why have I not done this particular exercise yet what is it that is stopping me from doing that mm-hmm. um, or what doesn't appeal to me you know why yeah. is it not something that I want to do is it going to be a bit of sticky history that I don't want right. to deal with yet do I feel that I can't do it because I don't do a certain kind of art yeah because a lot of people will think well, that oh I have to be a capital A artist well I mean you and I have this discussion all the time when you preface our meetings by saying I'm not really in this group and I'm like but you are like you're such an artist through so many different mediums do you not consider yourself an artist not a capital a artist I don't consider that you have to be making your living in order to be a capital a artist I think that it's your way of being it's in you my friends who are writers you have to write there's just mm-hmm. nothing else but the need to write. Mm-hmm. I would love to have that need to write because I love books. I love mm-hmm. screenplays. I love the written word. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that mm-hmm. I feel that I have. But I, I, I write. I write things. Yeah. You know, I was a literature major, so I was always writing essays, but always on someone else's work. Right. But then that's yeah. still writing. Like, is it? because we're scared that we don't pursue something or because it's not a passion enough to make us want to pursue it? The answer to that is going to be as individual as the people that you're asking, because in, yeah. in some cases, yeah, fear is a lot of it. You know, you don't want to put yourself out there. You yeah. don't want to be ridiculed. And then, you know, you can get into all of the 
childhood stuff that the artist's way will make you look at. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, let's go back to a little Veronica child for a second and found like, what kind of art did you do as a kid? Okay, you want you want to get into the the yeah. weird corners because this this absolutely like, are you kidding? Me? People don't <laughs> know Veronica Martin uh, the way I I want people to know little Veronica. Yeah, my parents put me in acting classes. See, I knew there was a weird <laughs> corner. I knew it. Okay, so you're an act at how what age? Oh God! Well, I can I can picture where in Oakville I did a number of different classes. There was Trafalgar Hall it's gone now there was the old mill in Oakville so I think there were parks and rec classes okay and it must have been over a few years or you know a few semesters sessions whatever but I didn't join any of the plays in high school for instance I didn't uh, do any of that but you were a trained um, actor why wouldn't you well, obviously yes well that's a really good question uh, I think that a lot of the people that I went to school with were actually, I saw them as you know, very good, legit. And yet you could just tell it was who they were. Right. And it was something I liked, but it wasn't who I was. Yeah. yeah. You went into a literature in school. And was that satisfying for you as an artist? Was that like fulfilling the artist's need? Oh, I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. You know, I love books. I love the smell of books I love libraries I, I know. you know um, I know. You know I think just, I could leave you in a bookstore and you'd be like I'll see you next week oh yeah like Bruce and I when we were dating we'd go on bookstore dates yeah I love it, <laughs> I, love it. I don't read half as much as I would like to or based on how many books like I buy reference books more but I don't read as much as I would like what you know, like I'll buy, a, would you buy like a play, like reference books. You read like a chapter of it. Okay, this is something I was talking to one of our past guests about the extraordinary origins of everyday things, which as a kid, I loved this because, oh, yeah, yeah, like you just like, but I wouldn't read it. It's not like, oh, I'm going to read yeah. this book overnight. No, but, but you'd um, open it. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, that's really interesting. What else do you have there? I have a lot of theater books, like theater games for young people, which I used to teach theater, a lot of plays, a lot of like biographies, like Tina Fey's and Amy Poehler. Right. Yeah. So yeah, those kind of things. When I read, I read like ferociously and then I don't read again for months. I don't know. It's my brain. Wow. But I know you read like a book a week, probably even more. I like to think that I read that much. But what usually happens is most of my reading is done, you know, when I go to bed. So I read three pages and fall asleep. I've got these little magnetic, Bruce got them at Lee Valley. It's a little magnetic bookmark. So yeah. I put that on the page so that when I inevitably let go of the book, the bookmark nice. will hold the page. Yeah. You know, talking about plays and you know reading plays of course I took all sorts of literature classes that involved plays I took a whole semester on Shakespeare and Sartre and all of that kind of stuff and one of the most exciting things for me was introducing my son to the plays and teaching him how to read the plays mm, okay tell me more about that process because I think that's really important. I think that when we're studying plays or Shakespeare or Shaw or whatever in school, we're told to read them, but they shouldn't be read silently, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so tell me what you did with your son. Oh, I dragged him to Stratford over and over and over again. And 
one of the productions we went to, we were really lucky. We were right down front at the festival theater. Alex was right on the aisle and it was mm -hmm. Macbeth. Oh, and oh my God, how old is your kid? God, I took him every year. I'd have to look it up because the Comfiore was uh, was the bath. Okay. And but like that's some light play watching for a kid, right? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's, well, I guess he's all Scottish. So he's all about the Scottish play. Yeah. And yeah. the way they staged one of these fight scenes, Comfiore was doing a fight like right beside yeah, Alex. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. like the swords are going and everything right there. And right at the end of the play the house lights like goes completely dark and then they start playing Hendrix's all along the watchtower that's how to get a kid interested wow. in theater mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can see how passionate you are about the arts that's why I will always challenge you when you say you're not a capital artist because I think that your heart is that of an artist whether or not you make a living as an artist or whether or not you pursue it as an activity, I think you do. I think you are an artist. Tell me when you finished your time at university in literature, because like graduating after studying in literature, what were your thoughts after that? Because it's not like you're going to set up a booth like Lucy in the Peanuts and go like literature, five cents. That's Anybody right. Yeah. To... I do readings. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. So what was your plan? It was French literature. It wasn't. Wow. Oh, yeah. Right. It... French. Yes. Yeah, I took German up to second year. I took it all through high school and then took okay. it up to second year. So how's your German and now? I can order beer and uh, a sausage kind of thing. I'd be able That's to get around. Yeah. A beer and a sausage, you'll be fine. All I want, yeah. But I was thinking maybe law school. I was thinking of traveling. And I had worked in hospitality as a waitress, this and that, mm -hmm. and ended up working for CN Hotels. So I thought, okay. oh, okay, well, like they're all over the world. The food and beverage director of the hotel chain has got a great job. I had talked to her a little bit. I thought, well, maybe we'll pursue that. So I worked at the hotel attached to the convention center in Toronto for a couple of years. And then Alex's dad got transferred up to Ottawa. So I worked at the Chateau Laurier for a couple of years. Wow. And then I realized this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. But I have no other skills. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've got a French literature degree, you <laughs> know. Right. Uh, which was helpful in Ottawa. So what did you do? So, I mean, I, I don't think you're alone with these kind of crossroads where you kind of go, oh my gosh, what am I doing if I'm not doing the thing I thought was my dream? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a major dream. I really kind of just sort of floated along in a lot of ways. My next door neighbor worked for the marketing department of Atomic Energy Canada, which was situated, the head office was in Ottawa at the time. Mm -hmm. So I had done a little bit of temping to pick up office skills because you know, I didn't have a computer. She brought her, remember those apples, the, um, the Apple mm -hmm. computers, the, mm -hmm. the, the first ones, she brought one home and let me learn how to do word processing on wow. that. I mean, I could type, I took typing in high school, but learned how to operate that and then got hired into Atomic Energy and was enjoying working in the business development department there. And then Paul got transferred back to Mississauga. So right. did other stuff, nothing terribly exciting. But you didn't, you but didn't I, really I, have a plan. No, Like, you know, no, I don't know if I really. ever have a plan. I didn't really have a plan until I found myself in the plan. I didn't be like, I'm going to go to university and then I'm going to theater school and then I'm going to become, I, I was just kind of taking it one step at a time, similar to you. So when did you know that you were on track with 
what you really wanted to do in your life? You know what? It changes every few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really mm-hmm. does. We shed our skin, right? They say you shed your skin every seven years. You have to re- readjust your priorities every seven years. Yeah. yeah. I don't have a problem with that. So I completely missed out part of my life. And when we moved back from Ottawa, I, I'd forgotten one of my friends who I had worked with previously, her husband's dad was looking for someone to run a conference for the Association of Corporate Treasures that he was executive director of. Uh-huh. And he was like an old English banker. And he said, well, you know, you know, he interviewed me and he said, well, you know, like, you know, Philip likes you. So that's good. And I had a degree, which was pretty much the only other thing that was important to him. Mm-hmm. And so hired me and I had worked in hospitality for a number of years so it was a really great fit so I was the director of conferences and member services for this association so I traveled around Canada working with local associations to plan the association's yearly conference and that was a blast yeah you have a lot of passions you got bread you got knitting you got Bruce you got your kid and then you have because I know you don't like the title of life coach but I know that you do coaching I do and Funny you should mention life coaching in particular. I haven't watched the Marketplace expose from Friday night, but I'm very much looking forward to watching that. I, what was it? I it's like you talked to me as if we're, we were both on Marketplace. What, tell me more about this. <laughs> you know, the Marketplace expose. I just saw, I just saw commercials. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just I just right. saw commercials when I was watching, you know, some of the CBC shows. Sure. And it was, you know, it's an expose on the life coaching industry. Right. Because, you know, you can take a weekend and sign up for this course and, you know, it's a three-day course if you're lucky. And, you know, maybe two days of that is, okay, here's how to do your website. Here's how to get clients. Here's how to do that sort of stuff. And then you're a life coach. And then you're a life coach. Yeah. And I had been in HR for a number of years and was looking around for, okay, what am I going to do next as far as education? I love learning. And I was talking to my boss, the VP of HR, and said, well, you know, maybe do an MBA. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, well, I don't want to go into operations. And an MBA is not really going to give me any more depth as a human resources professional. So he said, well, frankly, our executive at the time could really use some sort of interpersonal help Mm -hmm. in a deeper way than, you know, he said, I'm able to give. Mm -hmm. He's been hearing about coaching. Why don't you look into it? So I did and found a program. It was originally a U of T OISE slash Adler program. So it had academic rigor behind it, which was important to me because I did not want, you know, I'm not a woo-woo type of a person and I wanted something with some academic rigor behind it. Yeah, 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 I get it. There were three separate full weeks of classes right. after which there was a year-long practicum. Ah, yeah, that's not three and, days in a conference center learning how to do websites. Yeah, and you had to find yourself a coach. The teachers at the institution were you know, master coaches, you could use one of them if you wanted. Every week you had to do a coaching session with another student in the program. You and I would get on a call and, you know, if Winnie was the master coach, 
she would listen to us do, you know, I would coach you, then you would coach me, right. and then she would give notes and, and so on. So that was every week. Kind of like this. Kind of like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, we finished this chat when he comes on, she's like, here are your notes. And basically she just says, just do better next time. And then that's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think everybody has this experience when you find yourself going along your life and then something happens that you, makes you take stock and adjust usually something big that happens that makes you think, am I on track? Do I want to be on the, the journey that I'm on? Did something like that happen for you that made you go, oh no, I need to infuse this next element in my world? That's a great question. And I think for a lot of people, it might be a wholesale 180 degree type yeah. of pivot. And for me, it was, it was not anything like that. It was just this looks interesting. And when I look at things, it sounds disjointed, but you know, there are always common threads. Uh -huh. Like when Alex was little, I was still working for the association. I would do literacy tutoring through the Oakville Literacy Council, because it's just so important to me mm -hmm. that people be able to read and read comfortably and get joy from reading. Yeah. And then later on, Alex was little, I've always been crafty, and I wanted to make a quilt for him. So I took quilting classes, and then I ended up teaching quilting for a number of years. And so the teaching, actually, I think might have been a bit of a catalyst to point me toward the coaching eventually, because I can just remember a couple of classes that I had, I was teaching this one form called crazy quilting. And it is just that it is not structured. It is not a lot of very precise triangles and, and points and that sort of thing. It's very free form. And I had like a couple style. You'd probably, yeah, you'd probably get a kick out of it. There's yeah. it's embroidery and sewing and all the things you love. And I had a couple of people in the class that were having a lot of trouble with the free form oh. um, method. I asked this with respect. I said, did you know what you were getting into? Right. It's called you know, crazy quilts, not structured quilts. Yeah. I had submitted to the store that I was teaching at. There's always a sample and you had to buy the book ahead of time. Or there was a book that I used that had all of the embroidery stitches that you would use and so on and so forth. It was very clear that it was a free form method. And one of the women said, yeah, I I figured I could just do my own thing. Well, you're welcome to, because mm -hmm. I'm not the boss of you. Right. This is what I will be teaching, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I'm not checking your homework, right? Uh, I know. And this one woman, I guess, had grown up with a very, I mean, you'd say authoritarian mother. And I gathered the woman was a quilter um, and was very exacting about what her daughter did. Mm -hmm. And this woman broke down into tears no. when she had created you know I sort of nudge 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 and say okay I'll, I'll try it I'll do my what I really feel I need to do the structure yeah. thing I'll give this a shot I say, hey do two blocks do you know do 20 yeah. that's great and when she realized that she could do things that she said my mother would hate this and broke into tears but she said yeah I love it yeah what and a gift to be able to give somebody a platform like that you know to just heal a little bit because it sounds yeah. like that was tough it was so tough for her yeah. and I thought oh boy like I don't think that I am qualified right you know to deal with you're just teaching all of the stitches, stuff for that's goodness sake. Just, yeah yeah like we're just I, doing I some French knots here you know <laughs> Veronica I threw cross stitch because it's the only thing I, I could think of but it's really I don't even know if it is a quilting term 
you can use cross stitch in crazy quilting and yeah, I cross stitch too. Um, I don't want like all the quilters (laughs) to start writing letters. I mean, like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, Okay. So, but that made you kind of realize that you were interested in the heart in connection to the art. Yeah, very much so. When uh, Les, my, my boss had started talking to me about coaching and I looked into it, I thought, oh yeah, this, yeah, this feels really familiar. And it feels like something that I would really enjoy. And I just loved it. And a lot of the work that I did, even with the executives at this company, you know, they would, they would meet with me on a weekly or biweekly basis. And a lot of the conversations, you know, had nothing to do with how can I support this employee more, although that Uh always came up, but a lot of it got very into what an individual might want to do personally as well as professionally how they can mesh them and one person ended up writing a book Mm -hmm. it was really exciting for me to see them realize what's possible yeah I feel like we're kind of like putting together a puzzle in our life and every once in a while you get a really good piece that fits perfectly how did you know that you were on track and how did you know to search for something because it feels like as you said you were sort of floating you might have made a really good plan and deal with the universe to be like just guide me properly I'll follow along but were there times where you were like I'm in peanut butter this feels wrong and then I gotta find a way out of it like how did you manage that flow to make it as smooth as it seems to me Because I can't it's, imagine it's always yeah. smooth. Like we got to learn oh, to go, right? My life has just been nothing but butterflies <laughs> and sprinkle dust. Oh, I mean, been... that's what I'm imagining, Veronica. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Friends. Yeah. Really. Like having the support and unconditional love of just incredible, incredible people. And this allows me to segue into what you have put together and created with the firecracker department it's another incredibly supportive environment and that's what attracted me to it yeah despite my not being in the industry was just the heart of what being a firecracker is the support of other people you're like one of the originals i'm not sure if you even know the story but like the podcast was kicking along and yeah. then I had a couple people reach out and say, hey, if you ever need help with that podcast, let me know. And I was like, oh, okay, well, let's get together. And you were one of the people that reached out because I think that's a pretty brave move. We didn't know each other at all. We just met over Twitter and yeah. looked at our yeah. friendship. So I think it was a brave move. What was going on in your life at the time? I find that people get braver as they get older because It's not that they care less. I think it's very much that they care more. And that caring overrides any worry about reaching out Mm -hmm. and, you know, worry about hearing a no, thank you. Mm -hmm. If you had said, no, thank you. This is industry really appreciate the support. Please listen to the podcast. Then I would be doing something else right now, but your arms were wide open for whomever is listening and is aligned with the message of supporting other people. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important to me. And that's where I have found so much joy 
and so much fulfillment since I took the, you know, the coaching certification in particular. And even in, if you can believe it, even as the HR lady, it's always been really important to me. You can't take that hat off. <laughs> you kind no, of but you can. can't. And, like, it's in yeah. your system, right? You have like the makeup. It's like, if you want to talk to me about acting, I can't help but tell you that I know a few things like you and what they do. Yeah. 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 And there's no better compliment to me as an HR professional. You know, I still have HR clients. And when I was in house, I'd hear from employees, oh my God, you're like, you're just so fixated on the management side. And then right. the president would look at me and say, all you think about are the employees. <laughs> it's like, well, <laughs> then I'm doing, if I'm ticking you both off, then I'm doing okay. And I mean, right. to be fair, I didn't hear that a lot from employees because I think that people really did know that it was important. Fairness and respect are just so important to yeah. me in an employment, in any relationship. But, you know, certainly if you're out there working for an employer and you are not feeling respected and you are not showing respect, then you're just not going to get anywhere near as much out of the relationship as you could. Mm -hmm. I mean, I watch you, so I know, but how do you deal for everybody else with life curveballs when <sighs> you don't imagine something coming? Because I also think as much as we go with the flow or we try to go with the flow, there's also things that you're like, oh, I didn't imagine that. It yeah. happens, we're human. How do you negotiate that, navigate through that? The worst stuff that has gotten tossed at me in my life, mm -hmm. I have gotten through because of people who care about me. Mm -hmm. that, were you always able to reach out to folks? Because we're all independent people who don't need yeah. anybody. <laughs> or oh, no, I need people. Yeah. I were you always people. like that? Like, or was there something that happened? You went, I have to reach out. Like, there's been times in my life that I think I'm a pretty independent person. And then there's times I'm like, I cannot do this by myself. I lost my parents when I was fairly young. So mm -hmm. I saw support. Uh, when my mom died, I was 11. When my dad died, I was 21. Yeah. And when one of my friends, Catherine, I've known her since kindergarten. Wow. So she's been there for all of it. Yeah. She's like a sister. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. I've got a few of them, like lifelong yeah. friends. And being able to talk to them, being able to go over to their place and decompress, you know, whatever it is that yeah. is needed, I will do that. And I will also be there to help them decompress yeah. in whatever yeah. way that they need. I just think that we're missing out on so much if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable like that. Mm -hmm. How did that inform you losing your mom when you're 11? Because that's a crucial time. And looking back, it must have informed you in some Oh, I'm a good way. cook. Yeah. Right. So you started <laughs> cooking at 11? I'm the oldest. I was the yeah. oldest of two. My grandmother, her mom, did live in Oakville as well. She was just incredible with us. But mm -hmm. it was devastating for my dad. Completely yeah. devastating. So he had an extremely hard time. I had to grow up pretty fast yeah it informs everything everything good or bad it's going to take you to where you are now I mean do you think that that gave you a platform allowing yourself to be vulnerable because when you say like we don't allow ourselves to need people I think that's across the board how do you think you exercise the muscle of vulnerability because I think it's crucial for artists don't you think like we can't be artists that are like I'm all together all the time because nobody will relate to that 
Yeah. As someone in human resources, as a coach, I can't be completely invulnerable. I need to be a mirror for people, but they do need to see the human Mm -hmm. as well. It's something that, again, it grows with age. I think when I was younger, I would not have wanted to appear vulnerable at all. Yeah. What did it look like by not being vulnerable as a kid? I took on stuff that a 12-year-old probably shouldn't have taken on. I protected my dad in ways that probably weren't healthy for either of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this, my swim test was the day after mom died or whether it was the week after mom died, but mm-hmm. I went to the damn test right. and probably didn't need to. <laughs> right. Yeah. But as I've gotten older, I think I allow a lot more space for vulnerability because I think it's a strength. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about that. Why do you think the vulnerability is a strength? If you're not acknowledging your vulnerability, then you're not experiencing everything that you have inside of you. And I think that it helps you. It helps you grow. I think that it is a benefit for others to see you as vulnerable like my son's experienced a lot of vulnerable moments in my life he's had to see that he's also seen me reach out for help because Mm -hmm. I am not invincible and I have survived and I think I have thrived and he's been able to see that and I think it's important to model that not just you know strength above all but strength Mm -hmm. through caring through other people through putting up your hand and saying I need help Mm -hmm. I 100% agree. It's a weird society when we crave that vulnerability from each other. And yet we have such barriers to it. I mean, I do, I can speak on behalf, like I try to keep it all together. And yet that's not the thing that makes me the artist I want to be is it's it's vulnerability. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that society has done that to us? I blame society. Look at me. I'm not even taking responsibility. I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that a lot of it is what behaviors are admired, are modeled, what behaviors are rewarded. Mm. What do we see? What do we see on social media? What do we see on TV? What have we seen all our lives? It's not just the last few years of social media, mm-hmm. but the behaviors that have been rewarded are those warring, aggressive, not the softer, not the more emotional type of vulnerability. Yeah. That's not rewarded. That's denigrated as weakness. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so now you've got these plates spinning with your coaching and the work you're doing with Firecrack Department. Is there anything missing from your world? Like, do you feel like you could turn up the volume in one capacity and turn down the volume in something else? Oh, there's always different things. And kind of the nice thing about not having one set path that I refuse to veer from is that I'm more open to what's happening. What's next? I would love to travel more. I would love to travel in a world where we are all healthy and safe and Mm -hmm. that will come again. I think travel is important to experience what is going on with other people. If you see what is going on with other people firsthand, then I think that makes you a more complete person. It makes you a more like aware, more vulnerable, more caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who gave you that education? Was that your pops? No. He. What was he like? I think, oh, he was so sweet. <laughs> he was lovely. He looked like James Garner 
or Clint Eastwood, I remember at the mall near us a couple of times in the early 70s, you know, I was walking with dad and we got stopped because some some woman started losing her mind thinking really? that Clint Eastwood was over at Hopedale Mall in Oakville. Oh my gosh. Um, but that's where yeah. he hangs out. Right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. At the time he was mayor of Carmel. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. But, so what do yeah, you think no. you learned from your dad as far as like the makeup of who you are now? Oh, he, he was the softy. Mom, mom was tougher. And I learned, well, laughter from both of them. Right. You know, there was so much laughter. They both loved history. When we did our car trips as a kid, I have stopped at every single one of those, what is it, brass, you know, the, the blue and gold signs at the side okay. of every roadway. <laughs> no kidding. I've never stopped oh. at one of those. That was like your, oh. your parents' passion. Oh my gosh. Mom would, we would stop at every single one of them. Look across the Trans-Canada Highway, all the way out to Alberta, down to the Maritimes, down to Florida. Oh yeah. With me throwing up in the backseat of the Volkswagen. Nice. No air conditioning. I can still smell melted crayons. Oh, <laughs> yes. I mean, you just say melted crayons. I already smell the crayons. Like that's Crayola yeah. smell. I so recognize yeah. Yeah, that uh, was black, black Volkswagen vinyl. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, and here you are, like, you know, it's 2022. Our, our world has changed drastically. Do you feel like you have a calling to support people in their journey in this, especially right now, having just survived what we have survived, are surviving? There are so many people who yeah. do want to reevaluate what they're doing or yeah. they want to feel just reassured mm -hmm. that what they're doing is what they're meant to. And it's not for me to say that, but I'm happy to ask questions to give people more to think about so that they can mm -hmm. see, are they connecting with their values? Because once you're connecting with your values, then it's going to be so much easier to do whatever it is that you're doing. Right. If I ask this to somebody else, they might hum and haw. But if I asked you what your core beliefs are, I feel like you would have them readily available. Do you? Why, yes. <laughs> I just like, feel like you probably look at them. I, feel, I imagine that you have a beautiful poster somewhere that reminds you of your core beliefs. What are they? I do not have a poster, but like love, number one, kindness, support, laughter. Mm -hmm. It's sort of simple, I, right? The way you just lay it out, it's not like <laughs> we're not creating anything new here, but it, it really no. is the simplest of things. But it's it's letting yourself believe what you believe. What What is it? What do you believe? Okay, well, what are you doing about it? Did you ever feel like something you believed wasn't worthy of believing in it? I mean, like anymore? Like, have, have I made I mistakes know, like, believing in things? Because yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think that our, our values change. Was there something that oh. you were like, yeah, what comes Oh, to my mind? gosh. In my lifetime, I have voted progressive conservative. Oh, my God. <laughs> When I look back at what it was important to me, that's changed. I think that love, whether I recognized it or not, was always key, but I just wanted to be popular in high school. That was a real priority for a while. How have your values changed? Yeah, that's a really good question because the idea of being popular in high school just like, was not on the table for me. I was not that person who would achieve that. I was very much a background type of person. I had you know, my small group of friends and that was great. Well, I know in high school, at one point, I thought I was going to be, you know, a high-powered lawyer living in an amazing condo, a penthouse in 
downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be it for me. I don't know that I was at the time thinking of a family life of any kind. You know, it was the 80s, you know, suits and high heels and that kind of stuff. And I didn't end up writing my LSAT, although I did think about it. Mm -hmm. Is that disappointing for you not to go that route? Maybe a little bit at the time, but I can get my enjoyment by reading case law, (laughs) which I actually do. (laughs) A girl's got to sleep, right? Right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, like HR case law. I have to know employment law for my work. So I do enjoy that. And every once in a while, you know, there's a couple of lawyers that I know and think, oh, yeah, they're they're killing it. They can kill it. And I'm doing my thing and we work well together. Yeah, that's fair. Well, gosh we're going to have so many more glasses of wine and discussions in our friendship together, but I, I sure love having you. I can't imagine where we would be or how we would be without what you bring to firecrack department. I really can't. This is wild. Well, I'm just so in awe of everyone who attaches themselves to firecracker department. They're exactly the people that I love being around Mm -hmm. and I love seeing the support. I love seeing someone in a meeting or in in one of the mentorship events, you know, say, oh yeah, I'm thinking of doing that. Okay, we'll get in touch after. Mm -hmm. That just thrills me Mm -hmm. to death, seeing Mm -hmm. seeing that sort of thing or watching people in the Artist Way group, how just wonderful they are to each other and how they support each other and seeing that people even from a few years ago still keep in touch and shout each other out for wonderful things that are going on in their lives. It's just so great. That's what's important to me. Yeah, I get it. I'm constantly in awe and I'm constantly learning. Like, I don't think a day since we've started, I haven't learned something in a day, whether it's like horrible things like bookkeeping or like a part of myself as an artist. I mean, I'm, I'm really, I'm yeah. really, what's the last thing that you're like, oh, I didn't see that about myself. I think I'm surprised at how much I do need to cocoon after a lot of contact, even if it's just Zoom. I, I know, know that I'm naturally an introvert, right? I'm sort of right in the middle, you know, every time yeah. you take one of those tests, I definitely don't draw energy from large crowds I've got friends who do that and I just I love watching them one of my very close friends that I I mentioned she and her husband who's also he's like a big brother to me you know the two of them are just like they're way out on the extrovert scale right they're just want to bring everyone together and sit everyone down and Mm -hmm. feed them and have a great time are they artists no, Sharon's in Human Resources and Dave owns a steel company. Because I, I think I've, that artists are ambiverts. They're not extroverts yeah. or introverts, but you know they cross the line because there's so much of an energy that goes out on a regular basis that you gotta, yeah. you gotta refuel. Yeah. I just, I accept that more about myself. Yeah, yeah. I've been told I can be fun and I can do stuff with people. I, like I said, I can run a conference, you know, over five days with 1200 people and hundred exhibit booths to just like go, go, go around people all the time. And then after yeah. that, you just need a bit of quiet. Yeah. Do you have any like big dreams, like whether it's within the firecracker department or just for you that you're like, I got I know traveling. I know that as soon as the yeah. things open up more, but uh, other than that, do you have anything like, I gotta do this? Well, you know, um, 
we talk about what life could look like in a few years when we're ready, you know, maybe move to a smaller place with maybe an acre or two. Bruce needs outbuildings for all of his machining and motorcycle stuff that he does. Yeah. And I'd love to have a huge workshop. And yeah. the huger it is, the less messy it will look because there will be more room. Yeah. <laughs> I you tell myself. Boxes and organization cubicles. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, this is the first of many discussions, but I, I so love having you in my life. It's really, I'm very lucky. Oh, well, you've put together just an incredible group and I've gotten so much from knowing all of you. It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, you too, me too. All right, let's wrap it up with a turning the tables and you can ask me a question. I would love to know, what's the biggest surprise that 2002 Naomi would see in 2022 Naomi? What comes to mind is because my parents passed away and I think yeah. that 20 years ago, if you had told me that my parents were going to both pass away in the same year, nine months apart, I think I would be like leveled yeah. by it. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I'd be... But I think I'm stronger than I realized. That's what I think. We're healthy. And even if we weren't healthy, we deal with it. There's not a lot that we can't deal with. I'm really lucky. I'm, I have a really lovely life. And I would say for the most part, most people do. We just choose to focus on the, the hardships. So yeah. the biggest surprise maybe is that I'm stronger than I realized. Good question. What about you? What's your surprise 20 years ago, Veronica versus now? that things would be as great as they are. You didn't imagine? There was no figuring that I would be sort of where I am right now in my life, mm -hmm. but it was a tougher time. And yeah. so this is great. Yeah. How long have you and Bruce been together? Our fifth wedding anniversary is coming up. I feel like you've been together forever. Your partnership is so... Well, we yeah, did inevitable. work together for... Yeah, we did work together for a number of years, but there was nothing. He was the project director guy. There was nothing between us until mm -hmm. after we stopped working together. Mm -hmm. What is something that he brings out in you? Curiosity. I love that. It's definitely something that, that I have, but... He's an extremely curious person. He wouldn't believe the manuals we have in this house that he'll read just so that he knows the things, you know, and, oh and that's something that I really, I, I love that, that he'll just dive into a topic. And, yeah. uh, and that's something that I think he's probably brought out into me, mm, I love that. me as well. All right, let's do these wrap up questions. Here we go. Ready? Fill in the blank. To me, a firecracker is. Sass, strength, support. What do you want to be best known for? Yeah, that's support part. Yeah. Love, support. And I feel like that is in your DNA. I don't think you could have done anything other than what you're doing now. I just don't. Like, it, I can't have had to happen. something else. Yeah. If this was a movie, what do you think was a, a climactic turning point in your life? Something that changed your future forever? Every mother's going to say the birth of their child, right? But it's true, though. It's very yeah. true. You know, Have I you always wanted to be a mom. I think I always assumed I'd be a mom. I think when I had that that lawyer thing in my mind in high school, I don't know that I was particularly thinking about being a mom, but I just assumed it would happen eventually one way or the other. Yeah. What's something that people don't know about you? Well, that acting lessons thing. How about that? I like that. Yeah, that was a new one. I love it. Did you do scene work or did you do plays when you were taking acting? Oh, they were all plays. What yeah. plays were you in? 
like a frog prince kind of play. You know, it wasn't a Midsummer Night's Dream or anything like this. This was uh, yeah. Parks and Rec. And yes, we might yes, have yes. we might have made up the scripts too. I can't remember. I do I, I have a picture somewhere of in a crown sitting on a throne kind of thing. I love it. What's been your favorite mistake? Any time that I have failed and have survived. Like, oh, I'm not dead. It's mm-hmm. not the worst thing on earth. Mm-hmm. And if I can do this, I can very confidently tell other people that they will get through it too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. being able to transfer, you know, any learning that I have from any of the garbage that's happened in my life, you know, into something that's useful for someone else, that's, that's valuable to me. I'll get through it and it'll be fine is mm-hmm. the lesson. I love that. What's been the best advice you ever got or the worst advice you ever got? The only advice that I can remember that my mom gave me is probably the worst advice I ever got. And I can picture standing in the bathroom in our bungalow and she had put, I don't know if you remember the curlers from the forties and fifties, but they had like wire whisks stuffed in the mouth and they hurt you know, you used to sleep with them. Yeah. I don't know how they did that, but yeah, mom had those because, you know, they would dress up and and go out to the theater when I was a little kid. And, you know, I can remember her pulling them out of my hair and screaming bloody murder. Just, you have to suffer to be beautiful. Oh, and that just seems like the saddest advice I have ever heard. Yeah. Does not make any sense. I can't imagine anybody living by that in 2022. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the firecracker in your life we can shine a light on? Oh my gosh. Well, the entire firecracker department, obviously. Yes, all the Um, lights on them. My Aunt Anne, who I think I've probably talked about uh, a few times with you. Mm -hmm. And those lifelong friends of mine, those people who, it doesn't matter what has happened. Catherine, Sharon, and Stacy, and Jackie, they're just there. just there for me and they've all gone through their own stuff and Mm -hmm. we just hold each other through it well I love that advice to a younger Veronica what would you have told yourself yeah don't sweat it so much it's going to be great yeah I mean it's not always gonna be great but it will be okay like this is the thing you said it's you're gonna survive you're stronger than you realize and yeah sweat and so if, much. yeah if you're not sweating so much you'll thrive too because if you mm. spend all your time worrying you're not going to have the capacity to thrive yeah I love it I yeah. just love this time I love sharing your voice and your stories with people I think you're extraordinary and I, I think you're changing people's lives within firecracker department and beyond for sure thank you for spending time and thank you for all your heart that you put into firecracker department thank you so much I just love, I love that I get a chance to sit down with Veronica and just chat about all the corners of her life. You know, we have meetings with Firecracker Department and because we're all on Zoom, we don't get the apres meeting thing where your meeting is finished and then everybody goes and grabs a drink or you hang around and talk about life. We don't get that. We finish Zoom and it's like, so long suckers and computers down. So it's a real treat to find out a little bit more about Veronica because I think she's an extraordinary human being. And I love that she took acting lessons as a kid. I didn't know that. I mean, it doesn't really surprise me because she's super gregarious, but maybe there's an acting performance in the future starring Veronica Martin. Wouldn't that be fantastic? I am, and I think the Firecracker Department community is super lucky to have her. 
Throughout the year, I'll be sitting down with more of our core members to get to know them so you can get to know them too. It's one of the most important things for me is for you to all know the core members that bring you all these amazing events from Firecracker Department. So tune in for more. For all the latest updates with Veronica, follow her on Twitter at Veronica A. Martin, on Instagram at Veronica Ann with an E, Martin, or go to her website, veronicaannmartin.com. I'm so jazzed to share that next week, oh, here we go, we have Toronto-based actor, writer, producer, meditation teacher, Lisa Berry. I love Lisa Berry so much. I've known her for so long and I get to share a little bit of the Lisa magic with you and you're gonna wanna tune in for that. Lisa had recurring roles on CW's sci-fi fantasy hit show, Supernatural, Freeform and Netflix's Shadowhunters, The Mortal Instruments, and on CBC and Netflix, Working Moms. I mean, you're gonna hear this chat and you're gonna be like, I adore Lisa Berry. You're gonna wanna listen to this chat with Lisa because not only will it bring a connection to the film and TV business, but also a connection to like the importance of mental health and pursuing a balance in your life. This chat is just super Lisa. And like I always say, there's always a seat for you at the firecracker table because our table has so many leaves and I have to say, always great snacks. I will always have good snacks at all my parties, guaranteed. Pull up a chair and tell us about what you're working on. And of course, let us know how we can help. If there's a link that we can help share or if you're working on a program that you'd like the firecracker community to know about, drop me a line, throw it in our Facebook group or drop us a comment on any of our socials at firecrackerdept, or you know what? Go old school, send me an email, firecrackerdepartment at gmail.com. I personally would love to hear from you and I know the team really, really loves that kind of engagement. Now to see what we have going on in all the firecracker department stuff, visit our website at firecrackerdepartment.com. And while you're there, if you haven't already subscribed, get on it. Subscribe now to our bi-monthly newsletter to get the inside track on everything that's going on in firecracker department world. There's something for everyone, like the weekly writing bursts, the weekly Sunday brunches when you just get to hang out with your people, mentorship workshops, monthly wellness mini moments, script readings, the monthly blog post, podcast guests, and so much more. I mean, I'll tell you, this team is never short of ideas. Every single meeting comes out with three new ideas, so we've got some great stuff coming up in 2022 and beyond. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I gave myself an echo. Also, we have our events organized in a very handy dandy event calendar on our website. So go on over and check that out and make sure you keep in touch with all the things coming up. Thanks so much for listening. I sure love connecting with you and we'll chat next time on the Firecracker Department. Now go on out there and take some creative action. I'm Naomi, bye. Winnie Wong is our Firecracker head producer. Follow her at wonder underscore Wong on Instagram and wonder underscore Wong eight on Twitter. This episode is edited by Shane Stoltz. You can follow them at Shane Stoltz, all one word, and Shane with a Y. This intro was written by the one and only wonderful Winnie Wong. That's right, she's a triple W. The rest of the team comes at you from Toronto, Los Angeles, Austin, London, Dubai, and truly from all over the world. Thanks also to Jeff Malutinovic and Igor Korea for our theme music. And thanks to you, yeah, you, sitting there, driving there, walking there, working out there, and taking time to listen. We know there's a lot of options out there and we really appreciate you choosing us. We hope to see you at maybe brunch, maybe the writing workshop. And until next time, thank you for listening to the Firecracker Department. We'll see you next time. 